0: Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favourite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hey, welcome back to episode six. You're joined by Sam and my co-host Chris. Good
1: evening, Sam. So, Chris, what have you been up to this week? <laughs> uh, so I I went and I took my Bell & Ross GMT out of the watch box the other day. And I went to set the time. I I let it wind down. I usually it's my everyday watch. I'm wearing that probably 60 50-60% of the time. Took it out of the watch box, wound it, went to set the time. Uh, Went to push the crown back in to the, to the set, to the wind position. Right. So you pull it two clicks out, try to get it back to the wind position. And I ran up against the threading of the crown. So I was like, okay, so I did the thing where you go counterclockwise. And if you guys are new, new to mechanical watches, this is the trick. Definitely do this when you're standing in front of a, uh, AD and you're about to spend, uh, or you're looking at serious money watches. Uh ask them first don't just assume you can start undoing crowns but anyway uh so I start to slowly rotate the crown in the clockwise direction to find the threading and I proceed to jump the date huh. so what has happened is the stem has not pushed all the way into the wind position and so I was like oh how What am I going to do? So then I started to... uh, So I found the threading and started to wind it in, you know, turn it in. And then my GMT jumped. And I was like, oh, no. So after fiddling it with a little bit, I found, like, the spot where the threading is the lowest. And I was able to set it and then push, push, you know, stab the the crown back in so that it would uh, sat. But I'm not... Super pleased about it. I think there's something that just needs to be adjusted. Maybe it's spring inside the uh, there's a spring inside the crown, I believe, um, the length of it. But if you make that the length of that too long, it it, it ends up kind of sticking out too much. So <laughs> I, I did the I I know a little bit more about this than I probably should than maybe the average <laughs> because of my uh, you know actually cutting uh, stems and and working with Seiko. Uh, but I said, okay, this watch is under warranty. Let's let's find out what the story is. Well, there's two uh repair centers for Bell and Ross. One of them is in Miami. One of them is uh here in Los Angeles. So uh I don't know if uh, you've heard of this, but uh four crowns. No watch service center up in LA. Um no experience with them, so anybody anybody listening has uh you know a crazy experience with them. Get, get a hold of me immediately, but I think, uh, I think it's going to be okay. We, I, uh, I reached out to them, a uh, great gentleman on the phone, uh, talked to him yesterday, um, and sort of explained what was going on. Um, so the watch was under warranty, and um, he told me, you know, went over how to package it up. Um, and for those of you who are not familiar with uh, sending a watch in for repair, um, there's usually a very specific thing that they, they want you to do. Um, I mean, Sam, you, you had some experience yes. with that. With, yeah. So, so did they have you do the, the, like the double, the double packing is a good idea. Yeah. The other good idea is to have the, the a second copy of the label inside the box so that you have your information as well as where it's going inside the box. So if like something happens to the outside, they can find it. Yep kind of double wrapped. So we went over that. He's, he's, they've got a, um, Four Crowns has got a, a PDF to download that explains all that. Um, and like I said, so watch is, uh, wrapped up, going to uh, pop it in the, pop it in the mail and, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see where it goes. So this is my first, uh, it's my first experience with, with service of a major major purchase watch though
0: i didn't realize this was your new bell and ross when you were telling me about it i thought it was your yeah.
1: vintage one so this is the new one this is the one that's under warranty i've got the warranty card and everything so um yeah it's about a, a year and three months or so so a little nervous but we'll see this is this is you know this stuff happens we'll get it covered under warranty and hopefully and we'll i will share with uh with you guys uh i think i'm in good hands and we'll uh and we'll send it off
0: yeah and if everyone does have experience with that they can you can contact chris at everyday mastery that's at everyday mastery on instagram or email into the show which is the casual watch reviewer at gmail.com i'm sure he would be very grateful yeah before we dive into the news
1: two important topics first of all what watch you wearing at the moment if you follow my instagram i i did a fun uh did a fun candy <laughs> i had some like m&ms strewn about my desk and i was like oh uh so i'm wearing my uh seiko my modded seiko turtle so that's the srp773 the blue seiko turtle um this is uh the long time watch for me uh basically got me started in seiko modding um, it has everything done to it it's it's, uh, my version of the ultimate turtle you've seen you've seen sam's version this is my version
0: well i've got the ultimate turtle on and honestly (laughs) i'm addicted to this watch i never thought i would like a seiko watch as much as this those hands that we put on it from that guy in in the netherlands they're Mm. captivating it's got the bevel on it if if you guys haven't seen this check it out on the on the channel, we did a full video on creating this ultimate turtle, but I'm, I'm slightly obsessed with it. When I went into the <laughs> office the other day at work, I did wear my Speedmaster, which, honestly, I haven't worn a whole bunch ever since I had it serviced and they like, nicely mm. polished it. I kind of feel that it's like a precious object now, whereas I used to just throw it about oh, before. Geez. I know oh, it's it's awful, isn't it? It's awful, know, it's right? awful. But I wore it, I, I took it straight off the bracelet when it came back from the service center because they did such a good job of polishing the bracelet.
1: Right, right, you know, doing I see it, you're like, I can't, I can't, no, I can't yeah. see it. Or what you got to do is you got to immediately go out to the garage or whatever, you know, like scuff it off immediately. No, <laughs> no, I can't do
0: it, I can't do it. And I've got it on a Tropic strap that I got from Watch Gecko. And anybody out there who's got a Speedmaster for some reason, the Speedmaster looks incredible on a Tropic strap. I know it's mm. technically a dive strap on a watch that you can't even get it slightly moist at. But I think mine is a 30-meter one. I know the current ones are 50 meters, but my, the depth rating on mine was 30 meters. But for some reason, it just looks awesome.
1: I think I have the uh, Uncle Seiko Tropic. Then I popped, the, uh, I popped the Bell and Ross on one time, and I was like, I was like, jeez, that, look, that looks great.
0: Yeah, it does a really good job on because of those uh, tropic straps. And then we did this last week and it didn't get us in too much trouble. But I- I'm worried one day this is going to get me in a lot of trouble. But what has been your watch obsession this week?
1: Uh, so so watch obsession. So uh, I was I was watching some videos about about uh, sort of what's coming out. Basil, what people are talking about. And it just, you know, it just kind of rekindled some of the watches that i wanted to keep an eye on so i, I don't know about you but sam i've got a i got probably three or four and maybe we should we should break these out in like a separate show but i've got like three or four that i have my eye on and that i haven't been i, mean, I will not i'm not going to go out and purchase anything i just have my eye on and i keep an eye on and uh so the watch obsession this week uh the uh frederick constant perpetual calendar so this is this is a full in-house movement Frederic Constant. Now, I don't think I've ever sp- spoken to Sam about his his take on them, but we will get to that. Uh so this is a basically retail uh about $8,000. This is a Swiss made in-house Frederic Constant uh perpetual calendar moon phase uh dress watch. Pretty pretty gorgeous looking. For, for the price and for what you get our uh, favorite gray market uh dealer's uh, joma shop has it for like forty four hundred dollars <laughs> and so I just was like I just had the tab open in my browser and I was like I, just, I was like oh what's it going on let's let me take a look at joma shop pull that up to see what's going on because if, if nothing else Jomashop shop i think uh that uh, one of the one of the youtubers said the other day if nothing else Jomashop's shop's great for checking prices yeah and uh so i just i just looked and i was like oh it's 48 percent off and i was like oh no but if you haven't seen it the uh yeah the slim i think it's the slimline slimline frederick constant perpetual moon phase automatic 775 s4 s6
0: i need to properly look at frederick constant i know that they have an excellent reputation i've never seen one that's really captivated me Mm -hmm. um but from everything i hear they're fantastic to follow on from yours my watch obsession this week has been more of a brand one of my neighbors they're not big watch people they've become really good friends of ours we went to vegas with them And they've become obsessed with Tudor when I became obsessed with Tudor. Uh, Jen, who's the the wife, she bought a very nice pre-owned Tudor. Lovely, like, champagne dial with the diamonds. And then Josiah, he's been obsessed with this champagne dial 41mm two-tone Black Bay. It's called the Black Bay 41. It's not, it doesn't have a bezel. So it's essentially like the Black Bay, but without the bezel on it. So it has this champagne dial, but nobody's got it. In fact, we went into Tano, asked for them, and they said, no, they don't make it. And he started phoning around, and it turns out that they do make this champagne dial. The, the, the version that you more commonly see is a black dial, so it's like a two-tone bracelet. He loves that Jubilee bracelet that comes with it. So he phoned round and it's just that they'd never ordered it before. In fact, they don't know anyone in the US and all the to which I think is probably one of the biggest, maybe after um, the watches of Switzerland, uh, dealers. They've never ordered one in the whole of the, all of the branches linked together, which is pretty fantastic. But he's also, I've got him slightly obsessed with Grand Seiko. He's, I think, a quarter Japanese. So it means something to him that it's made in Japan and we saw the uh, the Grand Seiko, I think it was called the Summer Edition, and this watch is incredible, it's essentially the Snowflake Grand Seiko, but with this incredible green dial with gold hands and gold indices, this thing is just gorgeous, the only problem is, is that this thing is like $6,300. Now, I'm all in on on Grand Seiko. The quality, right. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would love spring drive. In fact, this one isn't a spring, spring drive. This is a high beat, but I would love a snowflake with the thing, but I just I just can't get my head around the pricing. I know it will decrease in value, and I told Josiah this. I said, look, this thing's going to go down in value, but the chances of it, especially the japanese are They're big collectors of Japanese history and things like that, aren't they? So in Mm -hmm. a couple of years, especially this summer one that's six thousand three limited edition with this incredible green dial, I'm sure it will go up in value. But in good conscience, I said to him, look, this will go down in value. And I'd love a Grand Seiko in the collection. I just personally can't get over the price because you're in Rolex territory. And the thing with Rolex is not only... There's obviously, it will go up in value Rolex. There's no question about that. But it's a liquid, it's a liquid investment that you could easily sell. Now, you could probably you could sell a grand seiko but it's not going to be overnight you can't just throw it on chrono 21 and somebody's going to buy it right. the next day yeah right yeah this is my other kind of thing with it um so i guess my watch obsession's been kind of grand seiko in general i would argue
1: okay all right yeah and and one of the things that you know we should like to to pull off here like a couple of things you know, I, I was just, I was just watching something that were, were in one breath, they were like, don't collect, don't collect watches. Don't, you don't worry about the money, you know, don't collect them because they're an investment. Don't worry about the money. If it's, if you love the watch, buy the watch. Right. But in the same, like in the same video, they kind of flipped around and they're just like, well, you know, at least with the Rolex, you know, that you can turn around and sell it if the times get hard. And so, but, but I just, I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, I, I like it's, it's such a conundrum. But I, I, what I think that we definitely should talk about is if uh, you heard the concept of uh, the endowment effect. Yeah. No. So the endowment effect is when you have this thing that's that's worth money, right? And so you you say, okay, I bought this. I bought this watch. It's you know, three thousand dollar watch. Okay, it's, you know, so you sort of have this thing in your mind where you say, like, you're like, oh, well, this is this is worth. $1000. So like any scratch on it, any dent on it, you're like, "Oh, $1000," right? But 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 no one ever thinks about like when you go to sell it, like, all right, so how much time you're going to spend, you know, listing it? How much time you're going to how much time you're going to wait for it to get the highest price on Chrono24 or eBay or whatever? And maybe there's no market for that watch. For a lot of this stuff, you know, this this the market is just not there. That's when I go back and say, "Okay, if it's something that you can afford and you want to enjoy, then 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 there's no question. It's like it's like would you ever sell it? Like so, this I'm looking at this. By the way, gorgeous! This green dial, this is great.
0: Oh, it's incredible. And I
1: think is this is this uh, looks like it's the high beat, not is, the yeah, it's not, the high beat. Okay, yep. Okay, so not a spring drive. It's a high beat. Okay, but I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where I mean, it, it seems like he's got a little story to it, a little attachment to it. And if, you know, it's like you're going to pick this up and it's just it's just going to be kind of part of your story.
0: Yeah. The the other thing um, I've got him slightly obsessed with and next time I go to Bob's, which hopefully will be tomorrow at some point this week, I'm going to try and get all of the various different iterations of it. But I've also got him interested in he's got a very particular taste. And as soon as I realised he was into this two-tone gold Tudor, oh, and right. I, I sort of got an idea of his taste, I, I made a beeline in this shop and said, "Hey, do you have a pre-owned Root Beer?" And oh, okay, he yeah, loves it. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. the Root Beer is such a distinctive watch, underrated, I think, in my view. It suits his personality perfect.
1: Perfect, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I love, I love it because I think it's. Uh, I get this way with, I get this way, I've not, I've not had that experience with watches yet, but I've had this experience with cars and wine. And I just love when you're just, you're, you're around a table, you're tasting wines, and you just start to pick up on, uh, I have uh, friends of ours uh, up in, in San Francisco, and you just kind of pick up on okay this is what vicky likes this is what she's drinking why don't you try this okay you like you don't like anything in an oak barrel you like stainless steel have one of these and you know and you're just that's it's a lot of fun it's great
0: now we do have a main topic we're going to discuss so stick around till the end but as normal with these shows i wanted to hit on a couple of the more interesting news stories from the world of horology now last week if you were listening in there's always a story that I get a story that I get passionate about. And last <laughs> week it was the the Omega with the uh, 321 movement and the cost that they're charging for them. This week is this is more of an amusing one, but Tag has made a watch that they say is celebrating the 160th birthday of Tag Heuer. Now, the thing that gets my back up is that Tag to me, and by all, I've never owned a tag. I know people that love tag, and I've got no problem with tag watches. I just think their marketing is they're trading on a history that them themselves don't have. They bought Hoyer. Tag made parts for Formula ah, One right. racing cars. Hoyer had the history. Now, all credit to them. They saved Hoyer from what might have been certain destruction. But Hoyer has the romance of the racing. Steve McQueen, the image that Tag constantly uses of Steve McQueen, gets my back up a bit because it's well known <laughs> that Steve McQueen wore a Rolex and even a Hanhart watch. With his, mm. He wore a Hoyer Monaco in the, the Le Mans film. And they did have some, I mean, he maybe collaborated on it, but Tag has been trading on this one or two images of Steve McQueen in the Le Mans film wearing a hoya. This has been their entire marketing strategy for, I, I think, at least 30 years. I just don't believe it. I'm like, guys, come on. Yes, it's the 160th birthday, but of hoya, right. not of Tag. And there's a, there's an argument yeah. there, but...
1: Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. So
0: what do you what's your view on that? I mean this watch looks beautiful that they've made but
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's so and I so I'll say two things. yeah, I, I So try to find another picture besides that famous that very famous picture, Steve in the you know, we're in the we're in the Monaco. Uh try to find another picture because I don't I mean, I don't think this is just a small subset versus like other movies that he was in, you know, and stuff that he's wearing. So it's interesting, yeah, they, they definitely they definitely use that. I mean, that's that's a that's in their catalog. I'm sure, right? I'm no doubt that's in their that's in their 2020 catalog.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, the picture that I have in my background of when I'm doing my intros in my mm. apartment is of is of the Steve McQueen. And I took it straight Ooh. out of a tag catalog. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about, you know, another incredible actor, Paul Newman,
1: he mm-hmm. wore that
0: Rolex. There's countless images of it. There's even in one of his like publicity headshots where he's kind of hand on chin, looking in. Oh the... yeah, yeah,
1: headshots. Is, yeah, exa- I've seen the black and white yeah, stuff. Yeah, Rolex, exactly. You're totally right.
0: Proudly, proudly, there he wore that watch. Mm-hmm. Maybe also I should give Tag some credit because it's keeping the image of Steve McQueen alive in people's minds. Yeah, where... certainly, certainly. I don't right, know that yeah. there's a lot of other.
1: And you're you're totally touching on that. There's that there's that gray area that exists between you just won the U S open and you immediately put the hat on and the watch on, you know, just, to, just, and get your picture taken. And, you know, and, and, and there's that line between brands that, um, that have that, you know, that sort of level of almost like sponsorship. Yeah. And then the, and then I know it's, uh, and certainly Tudor, you know, this, this may be a controversial term, but the ambassador, but I mean, a true, a true ambassador for the brand and maybe not in the way Tudor does it more. You know, I feel like it's almost more of a sponsorship, but if you have someone who is like, there's a partnership there where it's like, I'm our, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this racing with this wristwatch on you guys, you know, you guys says, say it can survive. This is, a, I think it obviously has more value, you know, has, you know, I, I think, I think as, as uh, you know, we can, we can see through that.
0: Yeah. I think the. That- as it was a great point that you made about brand ambassadors i think the only true ever brand ambassador i feel was jack Cousteau when he was doing those dive watches because he was using that in the yeah you know, he exactly. was in yeah. the in the you know he was diving with those watches and <laughs> <on>. he's like <laughs> right. yeah this is i'm actually wearing this diving whereas you know steve mcqueen he did he did race as well, but in that particular yeah. image, he, that was his character kind of in the Le Mans film. It, it right, wasn't right. Yeah. The the Hoyer was their whole thing with their watches was they made stopwatches for rally cars mm-hmm.
1: and yep. things
0: like that. So they did have that incredible history tag. Yeah. None of their instruments really. Yeah. They sponsor F one, but their their watches that they've made aren't the instruments that were used for racing. And the the image that they are in a McQueen Queen was.
1: I obviously have some experience, uh, you know. I I know about them from rally, uh, so I I you know I sort of precursor, you know, like uh, out out in the fringes. I I definitely I definitely see what they're trying to do, but my take that that they haven't really brought that all together. So I think they've just they're kind of struggling there to kind of get that together. And it and then this I think is more of the same where you know this 160 well the company and Hewer and you know.
0: So I've got two more news stories to go through. But before that, Chris and I are going to be doing this podcast on a fairly regular basis. If you want to support the channel, you can actually click on Anchor and offer a monthly contribution if you wish. But one of the things that we are doing to support the channel is having sponsors. So we're just going to pause quickly for a quick word from one of our sponsors. Welcome back. We've got two more news stories to go through and then we're going to get to the main Topic of today's podcast. So next story I had was this these t- the, all these stories today have come from Watch Pro, but this is that Ben Roos has been bought, or the name has been bought by a uh, investment firm. Ben Roos famous, famous for creating military watches from Vietnam, the Korean War, World War II, and they still made they still made outdoors watches. They had a very distinctive one that had the integrated lugs for the nato the the lugs were actually part of the case so i'm interested to see what they do i've only seen one image of the watches that they're looking to create but this is a this is an old u.s brand again you know suffered during the quartz crisis but i'm actually looking forward to them coming back to the market what do you think chris
1: uh possibly possibly it'll 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 definitely do we have any uh we have no news for i mean i see uh, a selection of watches any news on what part of the market, what price they're going to enter in?
0: No, I mean, Ben Roos was kind of an affordable adventure watch, but it seems like there's a couple of different models on there. I've also seen they were very much military aesthetic or kind of outdoorsy type watches.
1: Very um, Hamilton sort of feel, uh, almost a, a Bremont feel. And Bremont's a newer, obviously a newer company, so maybe a, a little uh, sort of modern... Modernity into it, so uh, yeah, interesting. Interesting look. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, where they where they fit. Um, I think right now with stuff that we're seeing, the Kickstarter, the stuff that we're seeing on Asia, that like just absolute saturation on the, you know, sort of under 500. Um, so if they hit the market in the thousand to three thousand, I think there may be some room for them.
0: Yeah, and then the final story before we jump onto our main topic is, and this is a bit of a funny one. For a long time, there's been this argument that Hublot copied uh, Audemars Piguet with their big bang. You know, Jean-Claude Beaver, I believe, I think he was at AP, and then he was at, and then he created Hublot, and he really built Hublot to what it was. But his argument is that they both follow a porthole design in the case. However, now. Hublot on their Big Bang have created a version with an integrated bracelet that could make a very passing resemblance or or make a more strong resemblance to the AP Royal Oak. So, and I know you're actually, a, I'm not a fan of integrated bracelets, but I know you are a fan of integrated bracelets because you've got one on your watch. But what do you think of this whole Hublot, uh, AP kind of, uh, you know, the battle is, as long as time seems?
1: So it's interesting because I think I was just reading something on the on the the Bell and Ross BRO five with the integrated bracelet. I think we just everybody just finished sort of exasperated in the way that like oh it's it just looks like this it just looks like that. Um, But and I who was it? It was a a blog to watch uh, Aaron over at a blog to watch uh, had a great article on. And I and I think the point here is, listen, there is a space for integrated bracelet sports watches that's what that's what people want so whether or not you are making a copy or you are the first to, or you it looks like this or you know what i mean uh i feel i feel like listen if you're if you're gonna make an integrated integrated bracelet sports watch that's amazing uh, come on down enter the space i mean hublot is, not, is gonna enter is not gonna be is you know is Going to be directly competing with some of those brands, whereas Bell and Ross is not. You know, yeah. they're going to be they're down in the you know four thousand range, and this is I'm assuming looking at the pictures. Oh, oh, seventeen seventeen thousand pounds. Okay. You get oh nineteen thousand for the for the ceramic. Not my cup of tea. Usually not. You know, I'm not a big Hublot fan, but I. Uh, I but I. But I think they. You know, that I think maybe there's market there.
0: Now, let's dive into our main topic now, Chris, this was something that you wanted to have a conversation about.
1: we what I want to do today is just let's let's talk about watches that were inspired by military military inspired watches uh and I mean, I've got a bunch of stuff that i that I sort of looked into um fascinating history in a couple of areas, and we can you know we can we can talk about all sorts of stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I originally, when I originally got into watches, that military watch aesthetic was something that really appealed to me. I had a CWC watch. I still have it, actually. You can see it in my collection review that the British military wore kind of from the 80s onwards. I even had that. I've bought and sold countless, countless watches. And I never, once they go, I never look back. I never regret selling a watch. I've never really re-bought a watch that I've sold before. But one of the one of the only watches that I ever regretted was another CWC mechanical one I had. And I uh, sold it before I realized right. the joy of mechanical watches. So yeah, I started off very much with that military, uh, a, a love for that military watch aesthetic
1: so you have you have a a court c w c is that what you got right now
0: yeah the one the affectionately one called the g ten which the form that the you know the military oh okay the right the and...
1: small okay okay, so i was okay, so this is interesting how we kind of got talking about this and and we'll we'll wrap around to c w c uh just for our listeners um when we say military military watch a field watch military inspired or a field watch so that field watch aesthetic is typically with uh the numerals with arabic numerals all the way around one two three four five all the way to twelve uh often with 24 hours marked out as well uh also typical with this with the style is the ability to hack seconds so hacking seconds so everybody can synchronize your watches very important that is sort of a basic now these watches you mentioned g10 i started here too khaki king and the khaki line very ins- very inspired by these
0: i think one of the interesting things is is if people listening to this are interested in those early hamilton watches you just mentioned hamilton and hamilton did supply to the u.s army that Market on eBay those vintage Hamilton. It's it's toxic that because well for a start Hamilton never printed Hamilton on the dial as far as I'm aware or they might only have done a handful of ones but you see them on eBay somebody is aftermarket printing these on Hamilton they're coming usually right. from Vietnam. I had a Hamilton expert on the channel, Josh, who fixes Hamilton full times and he won't go near those okay. military Hamiltons. Yeah, yeah, so just just to good keep eye out to everyone. yeah out. so if
1: you right so yeah so if you do like though so any these g10 watches um and uh going maybe a little further further back um i i don't know if you if you've heard about this but the turn you know the dirty dozen the original uh 12 watch manufacturers who uh were in various uh, parts of the market and still are um you know you you some some of these brands, are, you have your IWC, Omega, uh, Longines, uh, etc. you know, uh, some of these brands are, are, have, have, have still around, uh, uh, J.J. uh, some of them have come back. Vacheron, yeah. Yeah, Vacheron, uh, Vertex, I think is making a comeback. Um,
0: yeah, Vertex makes some,
1: So you've got all these, so, so what happened in the war, you've got all these brands that were maybe in different parts of the market making different. Just like today, you know, you, you might have, you can go get a $200 something or you can get a $2,000 something and that all stopped and they said, listen, you need to make, you need to make military field watches for the infantry and this is what they're going to look like, period. And they had a standard. And they all look, you know, little differences, but I mean, just like, you know, if you, you know, a Boeing versus, uh, you know, a McDonnell Douglas, you know, it's still the same plane, but, you know, little subtle differences. Um, And it's fascinating. So uh, we'll put a link, definitely, but uh, these, you can, you can see these original 12 watches, um, you know, a couple people have, have collected them. And there's another one where I would not, do not go on eBay and try to find some of these because yeah, you if, give you're giving me
0: those images of the British military commandeering those Rolls Royces and turning them into to tanks,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, just melting them down and right, yeah. But
0: I, I like, I, I mean, I like the idea of military. I love that military watch aesthetic. I like it if they have supplied to the military as well, but. I mean, I mentioned CWC, but one thing I will say, CWC, they sold to a company called Silverman's and you can still buy them today, but honestly, they are absolutely taking the piss with the pricing now. It, it's, it's obscene what they're charging for those watches. You're looking at $300 for the one that I had, which is like a 34 millimeter acrylic crystal quartz movement that was standard issue. To a, a, a lot of the British right. military, right, and the, right. the SAS watches. Those, di- I would love to add a dive watch, a CWC dive watch. The quartz ones, they're starting at like eight hundred and ninety nine pounds. It's it's absolutely obscene to be charging that much for what is a a utility watch, and I, I think a lot of people would really like to own one. But I think one of the th- this was an interesting conversation about military watches I had with uh, Chris, who was the naval flight officer. He was saying that he never, he when he joined the the Navy uh, as a naval aviator, he never got issued a watch. So I mm-hmm. asked him what watches they did use. I assumed he would say Marathon, because Marathon, one of their marketing things is that they supply to the US military. And I think the Canadian. Yeah,
1: military, Canadian. Maybe. Yeah, Swiss, Swiss made, but Canadian. Yep. Yeah, Canadian yeah. company.
0: And he said that no, they weren't issued one of them. So he kind of went off and and got his own watch he was using citizens and then later uh mega Speedmasters and stuff like that but it's certainly an interesting part of the market i like military watches i i personally would steer clear of the vintage ones because i just don't know much about them do you have any military or, or have you had experience with vintage military watches or
1: yes definitely so you mentioned marathon we should talk about them uh let's let's finish up with cwc so so part of their Part of their branding or, or part of their marketing right now is they were the ones that replaced the Rolex mill sub. Interesting because, you know, like maybe Rolex at that point was like, ah, you know, we don't, you know, maybe we don't need these contracts and we don't need, we don't need this money. So we'll give it to someone else. So yeah, I'm sure when that happened, you know, these were, you know, $12 or something to produce or, you know just no money whatsoever and so i i definitely get your uh you know they're beautiful
0: looking the the royal the royal navy one they they reissued a mechanical royal navy england has a special forces but also it has a the special air service and the special boat service which i guess would be like delta force or something like that in the u.s and they made a pvd watch for the 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 special boat service it, it looks incredible but the the pricing is
1: well too much for you
0: it's not just that it's the fact that at one time when i was buying cwc watches off ebay for 45 dollars a piece and then suddenly they've kind of traded off the cwc name and i feel like it's a gouge now don't get me wrong i buy luxury watches i but if the watch doesn't seem like it's good value for money which you know they're putting eta uh quartz movements in watches but charging 300 pounds for them
1: they had they had the one that i the, the one that i was sort of most interested in they had their mil uh not the not the heritage reissue because that was that was there was a lot of marketing in there but just their their current uh divers mechanical 750 pounds but, but i had you know here's my reservation uh mineral crystal. Uh okay, ETA movement, Swiss made. Fine. I I get it. Little reserved for the for the crystal. But what I do like is they give you a uh, three loom options. So they you can get it in vintage loom, you can get it in day glow, you can get it in white. And I was like, Oh, this now that's just apparently that option's only for Chris. That's the
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny. They they the watches look awesome. I'm sure they're very yeah. well made, but the considering a few years ago what you could get them for now i'm sure somebody would be thinking well you could buy a rolex in the early 2000s for a fraction of what you pay now but the thing with the cwc watches is you're not going to be able to it's not an investment it's a utility watch and it should have a appropriate pricing i think but
1: any anything but rolex i guess i'll I'll give my and i'll certainly repeat this again on the channel here but um when i buy anything used just just take thirty percent off the current price. So if it's currently available, so a good example, WC, you see, if I was going to look for this on eBay, right, I, this would have to be five, four, four eighty, five hundred dollars for me for for it to for it to make sense because that's what you would be able to maybe sell this for.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. They are good watches, but if you think about that section that that area Mm. of the the market it's so competitive as well i mean they must they must be selling them their instagram is very lively but um the hamilton khaki i would say if you like that design also jimmy collins collins watches makes that military aesthetic the guys at Veya watch they made a dirty dozen Mm -hmm. watch Mm -hmm. with the small seconds amiga um omega have they've reissued their 1948, which I believe was their military, or yeah. certainly has a lot of military aesthetic to it. It's certainly an interesting part of the market, but, you know, I guess servicemen these days would probably be more akin to owning G-Shocks or yeah, it's, citizens yep. or... It's a,
1: yeah, Special Forces, uh SEAL, SEAL Team. Yeah, it's going to be G-Shock all day long. Uh You know, something that you can get gasoline on and not have a problem. And just
0: i'm trying to think of the bigger brands the luxury watch brands that have a association with the military or at least have that as part of their marketing with the exception of marathon i'd say that zinn is they have yep. a navy yep. seals do they yeah seals watch
1: yeah zinn uh does uh, just because i'm a fan of the brand and you'll hear me say this all the time bell and ross uh has the who's it? the french navy so they do a couple of special editions for them
0: Yeah, and then the other one, of course, and I think they got in a bit of trouble for this, or at least they probably deserved getting in trouble for it, was Bremont. They made RAF watches. Now, I know Citizen actually made an awesome uh, Green Berets, a British Commando's one um, watch. But anyway, Bremont made an RAF watch that was to commemorate the armed forces. And that thing was, like, crazy crazy money nobody you know you could argue that the people that it was celebrating would struggle to justify paying that much for a bremont watch it was more celebrating people who could afford the watch
1: now with bremont isn't uh bremont the brand that has the what's it the ejection seat watch have you have you heard about this sam
0: I'm familiar with their military aesthetic ones. They also have a fairly decent dive watch. And then, of course, these like special editions. But I haven't heard of this ejection seat So there's an
1: article uh, a couple years ago. So apparently, uh, Bremont sold a watch or sells a watch that uh, for military, for like test pilots. And if you have pulled the ejection seat, which, you know, probably is going to break some some ribs, uh, if you pull the ejection seat on on an pl- aircraft, uh, they apparently will replace the back of the watch with a red, sort of like a red surround year maybe a couple years ago this story came out i'll dig it up for the uh for the links but uh yeah it was like it was like you can't the only way you can get this watch is if you pull the ejection seat and and by the way like i've heard i've you know i'm a little i'm i'm interested in the, you know the you know jets and pilots and planes like you don't ever want to do like pulling that pulling that is like i want to crush some ribs and break my spine <laughs> what that is.
0: while we're on bremont we can make this a separate video but have you seen that what my own view on this ridiculous collaboration with Ronnie Wood from the Rolling Stones. I have not. I guess I. What should What they look, did let me look is they this. got <laughs> they got Ronnie Wood, who is an excellent musician. They got him to paint dials of a watch. Right. So he he was okay. on tour with the Rolling Stones and he's painting hand painting each individual. He, he's dial. doing it. He's painting the dial. They're put. They're putting it in one of their. They're watches, and they are knocking these bad boys out for 50 grand because they're saying they're art pieces. Now, one thing I have to say about Ronnie Wood, this is my own opinion, and art is subjective. My, I love modern art. I love pop art. Art is totally subjective, but these aren't... He is not painting beautiful scenes on here. It's not, you know, uh, Modan with, like, colour expressions. It's not... Like I've got a Damien Hirst right. watch with a very distinctive look. I mean, some of these, honestly, I feel like somebody with a sharpie could could <laughs> could recreate this. On yeah, the
1: I, I, I yeah, I just pulled them up. Sort of simple. Like there's there's ones with a bunch of colors on it, but you know, it very um, yeah, the designs don't they look sophomoric. They don't they don't they don't speak like this is an art piece i mean you know again subjective very subjective but yep. i i yeah i just i just pulled up pics, and you should uh we'll definitely put a link too, yeah. in the show notes we'll definitely yeah. put a link so, in the
0: show notes to these bremont watches i'm sure some people would love them yeah. to me they've essentially taken quite a an a well a quite a intricately made design sort of dress watch aesthetic and then put a dial on it which probably yeah, is akin to like street art would you say or... uh, yeah
1: yeah very very swatch like like yes. I, if this came out it as awesome a, like, on a
0: swatch it yeah. be
1: amazing right but it's, yeah, it's yeah. very their style it's like taking that that swatch style where it's like you know we we got a guest artist and they did a pattern and then we made you know a thousand watches on it well you know if again if you're like okay well this is a fun quartz watch that we can pick up for you know it's great, but uh, yeah, but yeah well, when I've you start getting swatch, into the, yeah. like, art piece that's 50K, then you're like, wait a minute.
0: Yeah, and you wonder so, whether, I mean, maybe maybe posthumously it might go up in, in value. I mean, if I, yeah. you know, I, I, for a long time, was trying to hunt down the Keith Herring uh, Swatch watches, which, unfortunately, Swatch do have some incredibly valuable watches the keith harring he was a very famous graffiti artist in the 1980s in new york if you've seen his patterns you'll know that distinctive sort of he had a you know a sort of stick man type drawing he made some swatches but the problem is is that swatches are made of plastic that degrades, right. and, yeah. and you can't it just right. uh, people might know, not know this but yeah that's uh, one of those swa- the swatches is a a swatch is a sealed unit there's no repairing it. If it's broken, right. it's, it's broken. It's yep. broken. So we went off on a huge tangent. Tangent. We yeah, like tangent. Great. All right. So
1: let's get us back on. So let's, uh, we'll switch from SWAT and we'll talk about Marathon or Marathon, yes. how you pronounce it, Marathon, Marathon. Canadian company, Swiss made. Uh, I held one of the jumbo divers. So they make this 46 mil jumbo diver quartz. It's like, what is it, a thing? 300 meters. Oh, I'm surprised it's pres- only 300, right? I mean, like I picked this thing up, they don't even list the weight on the site, or I couldn't find the weight on the site. I mean, this thing, when I picked it up, I was like, this has to be powered by like a chunk of plutonium. <laughs> These are purpose-built military tool watches, and I mean, you know, this is the kind of watch where you're, like, you're stranded on an island and you have to, uh, you know, like, you know, bash rocks together with your watch. I mean, it is, like, it's like, this thing I'm sure would have no problem, like, hammering something in and still run fine. Um, you know, pretty pretty amazing uh, pieces. Heavy duty, if you are, if you like that, if you like that, uh, that sort of uh, G-Shock, military purpose tool watch i mean it definitely for me i'm a tool watch guy but it definitely speaks to me i don't think i could pull one off but <laughs> but uh, uh it's definitely that that brand
0: yeah you joke about the plutonium but they do have versions that have the tritium tubes on like black like ball watches
1: yeah and they're and they're not and they're not afraid i know so i was thinking about this they are not afraid to put the radioactive symbol right on the dial <laughs> and so so I'm thinking, like you're, you know, you're cruising through TSA with your, uh, with your marathon on, and they're like, you know, okay, uh, sir, sir. But, but what I thought about was like in that situation, the TSA probably is wearing one or knows what they are, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, and that so... that
0: distinctive bezel they have on them, you can tell that that was purposely made for. If you're wearing like tactical gloves or something mm-hmm. like that, I mean, there's no. Yeah. I mean, with the best will in the world, there's no turning the bezel on my Tudor Black Bay 58 with uh, tactical gloves on or (laughs) like a wetsuit on.
1: Yeah, this, I mean, you could could have space suit gloves on. So back to the Dirty Dozen, um, a lot of, uh, Sam mentioned, a lot of these companies have done reissues. So I I personally like to get a modern watch inspired by, I think we're too far away from that vintage i mean these are you know my grandfather was in the navy so that so that means that you know these watches have are you know they're ancient and, <laughs> and for you to, right and to find one when working and parts i mean definitely if you're into it absolutely you know chase that down but uh but i'm i'm really interested in the sort of reissues and and you mentioned a couple uh omega and et cetera. Um, the the original ones uh all made the same stamped uh www on them which which very military here uh which stands for watch wrist waterproof (laughs) so wrist wrist watch or watch wrist waterproof so that's that's what you made and um the if you look We'll again put this link in here. They've got some of the estimated pr- production numbers, and and even even though every company was making them for the war, we're, you know, we're still talking about ten thousand pieces. There's there's no way <laughs> that they all survived <laughs> up until this point, you know.
0: They had to be but... returned as well, didn't they? The servicemen, I don't think after World War Two could. I mean, unless they smuggled them out, I don't think they could. The watches were
1: quite po yeah quite possibly i don't i don't know if they had to be or they were or they could be purchased uh but yeah um so only like omega um and a company called uh record uh record was uh had, was made, made over 20,000 um so so pretty pretty cool i i'm starting to see that that aesthetic with the small seconds do you like small seconds watches
0: That's a great question. Do I like small seconds watches? I think I do like small seconds watches, but it depends who's doing it. I don't like Oris on that big dive watch that they have. Oris Aquis, yeah. Oris Aquis. Yeah. Where they have like the small seconds off to the side. I think it looks Uh, good on a military watch. I don't like it on bigger watches.
1: Okay. Okay. It's going to be smaller. A lot of them used uh, Tritium on the dial. So the circle T for tritium. Um ha- tritium half-life uh I think 12 years. So after about after about or I think it's like 9. <laughs> I could pull up my uh physics class here. Uh so yeah, after about after about 10 years it's it's half the brightness and then there's it's half again the brightness. So um these are actually, you know, painted painted dials.
0: Yeah, well I suppose it's tritium's better than those poor girls that were painting the radium dials for the World War Two clocks and they got that, you know, I think that was the first ever sort of class action lawsuit against a company by employees, wasn't it? That that horrendous, like, cancers and stuff that they got from, from the radium. But I don't think, I, I mean, I think that was around World War Two. I can't think of, I mean, there definitely is watches that use radium and I I, I think I've looked into this and there's certainly not enough radium to cause you any medical issues if you wear a radium watch but i mean it's funny because everyone goes for that old radium look now don't they that that faded to peach radium
1: is is radioactive for a lot longer yeah think think like you know 200 years or again don't quote me but but uh the dust that comes off can actually contaminate so like opening up one of those watches uh super dangerous radium watches so uh, well, I yeah, suppose the
0: watchmaker to... repeated exposure, I'm imagining, right. probably build up. So that was a really cool, yeah. Thanks for that, Chris. That was a really cool discussion on military watches. If you've got any comments, guys, you can email the show, emails directly at the If you want to follow us on other social media, Chris has got his Everyday Mastery Instagram. My Instagram is The Casual Watch Reviewer. And, of course, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, head on over to YouTube and search for The Casual Watch Reviewer. You'll see the logo there with the wood behind. So, Chris, thanks again for uh, joining me. End of uh, episode six.
1: Thanks, Sam. Always fun. Enjoyed it.
0: So, guys, join us next week where we'll be another host of news and subjects to talk. As always, appreciate listening, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye.